0: Welcome to Gin and Topic. I'm Sarah. And I'm Anya. And every week we seek to learn a little bit of something about absolutely anything. All with the help from experts and rather a lot of gin. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Series four. We are indeed at episode two. Oh, I'm so good. I know. Mm-hmm. Clever you for counting. One, two. I'm dyslexic. It's an achievement. It yes yeah. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So episode two, we are going to talk to Dr. Val Derbyshire. Okay. And she works as an impact officer in the University Research and Knowledge Exchange Office. Right. At the University of? Cambridge. Derby, because um, she's from Derbyshire. Oh, everyone's from Cambridge that we talk to, so I just kind of made a guess on that. Yeah, yeah. no, she's at Derby. So Val helps academics and researchers um, with the impact of research. Okay. Um, but also she is a researcher in her own right. Yeah. So sh- her speciality is in English literature. Ah, oh, another one for me. Another one for oh. you. And she's got a PhD in English of the British Romanticism. (gasps) Oh, Sarah, is this the one that (laughs) you sent me a message about by any chance? Can I tell this story? You can. Okay, so we talked about my love of YA books on the podcast. Mm -hmm. We haven't talked about my other love. Mm -hmm. Romance, Mm -hmm. specifically spicy romance. Oh, spicy. (laughs) We like a little bit of the smut. I'm a smut connoisseur,
1: one might say.
0: <laughs> I'd love that on a business card. Thank you very much. As you walk networking, they yeah. say, what do you do? I'm a smut connoisseur. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'm in Bristol. Yeah. And Sarah sent me a message going, I've got a podcast for you. Oh. And I'm like, okay, okay. And at first, I didn't actually know what you were talking about. Exactly. Because, mm-hmm. let's explain. Let's explain. So the title, the topic of this episode is is Mills and Boone. And that's the text I got from Sarah, and I went, what? Exactly. So our listeners, we're going to have some of them that will go, oh, oh. knowing exactly what Mills and the Boone older are. The generation, yeah. I said it. Yeah, I should think so. Mm-hmm. they probably just check on the grey hair. Yeah. Probably got some. Yeah. And then you've got the others, like yourself, mm-hmm. that would be there going, M- Mills and what? Yeah, who now? what is that a lawyers firm it do, it did sound a bit lawyers yeah yeah. yeah yeah but no mills and Boone is like a a whole raft of stories um of different authors mm-hmm. all writing under mills and Boone. okay and my knowledge of mills and Boone essentially is you could buy them in any W.H. Smith, <laughs> typically in train stations, typically right. in the airport. Yeah. But we'll talk more about it okay, in a minute. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But I've been told I should be excited about this one. Because they are all romantic Yay. novels, often a lot of sex, oh, often a lot of smut. The dreams. And our question is, why read Mills and Boone romances? Because you don't know them and... You know there is a bit of a I would like thing to as now. to whether you should be seen to be. Oh reading well, if we have a not. conversation about whether you should be seen to be reading romance and smart, then I'm all in. I'm in here. I'm in. Excellent. Okay. You're in. We've got Val in the waiting We've room. Got gin. We've got gin, and we are drinking Val's choice. We are drinking a Sainsbury's taste the difference Blackfriars gin. Lovely. And Val
1: can tell us more about. Why it's her favourite. So tell us about the gin. Uh, well, um, it's, I mean, I'm probably showing my working-class roots here by just picking a Sainsbury's gin. I'm afraid, so it's perhaps not um, what, what people normally think. I'm certainly by no means a connoisseur. I really like this one. This tastes a Difference uh, London Blackfriars gin. It's nice and peppery. It's a bit, bit, bit sort of bitter, and that's kind of what I like. Um, I just got it with Schweppes. I can see you've gone posh and gone for the Fever Tree tonic there. <laughs> but you know, I would sometimes go for myself. It is very nice the Fever Tree tonic, I and mean, of course you mix it more. So yes cheers to you as well cheers thanks for coming (laughs)
0: yeah well we always used to do the sainsbury's mixes um but we got lured in by fever tree Mm -hmm. oh that's a proper gin that's the kind of gin i like when you drink it and you go that's a gin oh yeah that's like coming home and getting on your sofa and be like it's nice isn't it you know for a reasonable price you can have a
1: And now he gave me an excuse to buy myself a bottle, so thank you.
0: (laughs) We're pleased to provide that excuse. (laughs)
1: Yes. I can taste something
0: else as well. What? Can I taste a bit of refreshers? No. Can I not? I can't. I'm just getting pure nice juniper like loveliness. It. It's yeah. lovely. I'm pleased with that And one. you've made it strong. Well, I did, yeah. Sarah had the slightly frazzled look of a person who's done a school run and then come <laughs> oh, home and gone, I need food <laughs> and I need to... And I oh, thought, oh, someone needs a big gin today. Mm. <laughs> and that is a nice gin. I would have been gutted if tonight's recording had been a fruity number. Yeah. Because I wanted a gin and this yeah, is a gin. A gin. And do you know what? I'm delighted that you've chosen a Sainsbury's gin because a lot of our guests who are coming on will use it as an excuse to try gins they haven't tried that you have to order in and I'm like come on come on just but occasionally Occasionally, just something you can grab and I want to taste something that I can then go and buy because half the time you go I bought this gin I go well I'm not spending that much on gin Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and sometimes you want to be able to pop to the supermarket for an emergency bottle sometimes it's an emergency (laughs) definitely
1: Mm. we can do that with this with this one I think it's a very nice Mm. gin So yeah I'm glad you lovely. Like it. that's great I'm glad it's been a good choice it has <laughs> a nice so choice already <laughs> thank you so
0: much val and the first place we have to start is to share what we know yeah or don't know about yeah. mills and Boone. okay so you could just have a drink yep. have a chill yeah
1: have thank a you. listen
0: yeah <sighs> okay. are you ready i'm ready. So. We started talking earlier about the story of this episode and how I said to Anya, oh, my golly, a topic's come in that is right up your street. <laughs> and I said, we're going to talk about Mills and Boone. And I was re- I was ready for her to go, ooh. However, I'm youthful. <laughs> and I went, "You want- I'm really sorry, you sound really excited, but I don't know what that is. <laughs> so your knowledge of Mills and Boone... Nothing. Nothing, but love the idea and sound of and falls into the sort of category of things I would like to read. Do you remember um, anything in the news with Fergie writing a Mills and Boone novel recently? I do. I do remember that. And I remember thinking about the fact it would make a really good episode of The (laughs) Windsors. It would make a really good episode. (laughs) So, you know, I think that's... So, thinking about what I know, I think that's really interesting that... It isn't something that's known right. now, but that it's kind of coming. I don't know whether it's coming back into our awareness or whether Fergie was just a little <laughs> blip of awareness. <laughs> I don't know if I could just call her. a blip I, of I awareness. also think Fergie is a certain area of awareness. Yeah. I don't
1: think <laughs> lots of Not people are, would no. know.
0: <laughs> so, what do I know about Mills and Boons? So, Mills and Boon books were always in those carousel book. <laughs> Um, sort of displays yep. and they all had pictures of a canoodling couple <laughs> in Do you mean like my Bridgerton books day. down there? <laughs> <laughs> often with not much on and mm-hmm. the idea I think the sort of Understanding of most Mills and Boone was that they were a romance novel, um, lots of smutty, love sex, it, love it, love it, <laughs> and that the it was very much the um, women would read it often the I think you know the thought was women would read it um because they weren't getting enough in the bedroom (laughs) and so you read your mills and Boone, which leads me nicely onto my question of have you read any Sarah so I was trying to remember (laughs) whether I had read any and I think probably as a teenager as a um rebellion kind (laughs) of gonna read some mills and (laughs) Boone. But very much that whole, you know, they're not a literary works. You shouldn't. It, it's naughty to read. But a and what Boone did I say about my current hyperfixation level. to you last week? I said, Sarah, it's trash. It yeah. is plot with porn or porn with plot, but it's brilliant. <laughs> I think that probably sums up what I've always been taught about Mills and Boone. Okay, and I have to say, because this is all very much a. What you're instilled as, Mm -hmm. I don't know, cultural norms. Probably, we were talking about Mm -hmm. class earlier, probably that attitudes towards class, Mm -hmm. education, Mm -hmm. and whether you're allowed to be seen to be reading Mills and Mm -hmm. Beans and things. Okay. So, there's so much
1: I can't wait to hear about now. But
0: all of that knowledge is probably from when I was. Late teens, early 20s. And I haven't even put a thought to Mills and Boone since then. And I'm surprised when Fergie said, when all the furore of Fergie writing for Mills and Boone, I was like, bloody hell, they're still going so there we go
1: really (laughs) surprise you with (laughs) and undo some stereotypes there i really hope you're absolutely right that stereotype does exist if this is kind of trash literature it's you know empty-headed nonsense you know why would you read it it's uh you know porn you know in a in a paperback. you know and all those kinds of my favorite kind (laughs) all (laughs) those kind of stereotypes about them exist but it there's just they're just sort of defy the stereotypes every time when you actually read them so most Mm. people will say things like that about them and have never read one which Mm -hmm. really makes me quite cross (laughs) but they've actually been around since 1908 they've been around much longer (gasps) than you think and they started off publishing sort of novels like Jack London's works so quite literary works really and as you said they were in train stations uh, and in the 1930s when the depression came along they realised that people their romances sold better than anything else Mm. So Escapism, yeah. absolutely yes. right. That's exactly right. So, they um, that's why they concentrated on the romance genre. Um, and so, from then on, they've been selling and they outsell. So, when you think about sort of 2008, they were 100 years old. They were outselling mm-hmm. any other publisher at that time, publishing 70 <sighs> books a month. Um, everybody else was struggling. It was the credit crunch, people going out of business left, right, and centre. Yeah. Milton Boom was going really strong because of the escapism of that people need in times like those. So, it's, uh, oh. it is. it's a really sort of interesting, exciting company to to research. The books are exciting to research. And there's so much that's literary about them, mm-hmm. um, so much that you know, in them. So people say, oh, they're trash and they're rubbish and they're, they're, I can see social history in them. I can see literary devices in them and tropes. It's, uh, I, could, I could go on and on and on. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, I love a trope. I love <laughs> a trope. I'm getting really excited. I mean, I was crying at my smarty books the other day, so, you know and I well I think when you were saying about stereotypes mm. that's exactly yeah. what they are mm. yes. um, and the whole sort of attitude of you're not you
1: shouldn't be seen to be reading them you shouldn't be allowed mm. to read them it, I mean I suppose it is a bit embarrassing if you look at some of the so I've got some around me this was the first one I ever read Escape from Desire by Penny Jordan oh, and Penny Jordan the author cute. I read most. but I don't know if you can see it's a bit hard to see really but he, he looks very much like Sean Connery and that's what oh he does is. yeah one of the things they did in their books around this time was use Hollywood stars on the front cover. Uh, so you'll see, I've got one here who looks a bit like David de on the front <laughs> uh, You know, I've got, I've got all those. There's Charlotte Lamb. Um, she obviously, ever think, about uh, Johnny Mathis because nearly all her covers have got someone who looks a bit like Johnny Mathis on the front of them. Um, so I can't remember why I started. To... So, yeah if, yeah, yeah, if you sort of look at the covers, you might think, oh, I'm going to be a bit embarrassed to read this on the train. Yeah. You know, And particularly the ones where, you know, it's someone cavorting in the nighty on the front cover. You sort of <laughs> yeah. think, I don't want to be seen... <laughs> Thank goodness for Kindle, though. And then, of course, they've actually uh, overcome that themselves by they've produced a series. I've got it somewhere, but I can't find it. <laughs> a, a series of much more serious covers, which have just got um, you know sort of flowers on the front and things like that. So yeah. you can sit and read it on a train, and no one will know what you're reading. But, uh, but yeah, I know what you mean about the stereotypes. You might feel a bit uncomfortable.
0: And I think because there was also, you know, there was that the name was synonymous with um you know romance yeah. and yeah. sex and so yeah. you knew that if you saw the Mills and Boone it's like I know what you're reading <laughs> and just, I just can't wait for
1: somebody who's on book talk to see me in public and I'm like I know what you're reading
0: <laughs> yeah so- but I think that's the thing isn't it because yeah. it was because Mills and Boone they're all different authors aren't they but it's one company that's really prominent that that's all that they
1: produce yeah so people treat them as if they are one author one thing and they're all the yeah. same and actually they're very very different so there's this if you see any with these kind of pink covers on them this is a cherished series they're not going to have much sex mm. in them at all they're kind of family romances um there's quite a lot that you'll see oh. that are american uh, authors and they tend to have less sex in them uh, because of the, the market the uk market is culturally very different to the american sort of book market really and so they tend to have sort of less things more about uh, well I haven't read that many American ones so I couldn't probably come talk with authority on that but uh, but yeah uh, but yeah people treat them as if they're all the same and I suppose in yeah. some ways structurally they are quite similar they are they do follow a structure mm-hmm. but different authors did different things use different mm. things um and you know the author I sort of is Penny Jordan she was just changed the. Uh, use the different things, change the formula every single time. Every book you read is new and refreshing and it's got a lovely mm. story. So, yeah.
0: So tell us about, so you, your research was into Mills and Boone. So what, what were you looking at? Different authors?
1: Yeah, so I look at different authors for Mills and Boone. Um, a lot of them wrote over long periods of time. So it's really quite interesting. So there's a, a critical queer Leavis who says that popular fiction is sometimes, is, you know, it's a good way, sometimes the only way to capture social history, particularly history about sort of ordinary people. So it's very easy to read about the history of kings and queens and wars and, you know... I'm not sure (laughs) it's easy to read these. Well, I don't. I don't find them easy to read. (laughs) Particularly not the way things are going, (laughs) but it's getting worse every day, isn't it? But, um, you know, it's easy to find out about famous people. What 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 was happening to ordinary women, ordinary Mm. people? And that's Mm. what these authors did really well. So Penny Jordan wrote, I think her first novel was in 1981... She wrote for them up until her death in 2011. Her last book was published posthumously in 2012. Oh, wow. And so in that time, she captured the recessions of the 80s, the 90s, the credit crunch of 2008. And in fact, even in some of her books, she kind of seemed to predict those events. She was obviously quite interested in financial Mm. affairs and economic events. And then... she really sort of uh, shone a light on not how banks reacted, not how on how rich people reacted, but on how what would happen to the ordinary person in the street who loses everything. It was, and that's mm. what I love about them. I, I really love that kind of capturing of social history in those novels. Uh, so that's uh, one one of the reasons. So, so um, I study a number of authors who wrote over decades for them. So Penny Jordan is my. Always my favourite, always my ultimate escapism. I, I studied another author called Sarah, Sarah Craven, who wrote a little bit earlier than Penny Jordan, um, and she died quite recently as well. Um, she used quite a lot of gothic tropes in her novels. So my PhD mm. is actually in 18th century literature. So what I really like about that is the way that you can look at the way romantic fiction began with Jane Austen or whatever, yeah. you know, Charlotte Smith, and it has got you know sort of provenance into these novels. So that's what I really like about Sarah Craven's work.
0: I love the idea of Jane Austen writing for Mills and Boone.
1: I just suddenly <laughs> <laughs> und- <laughs> that would be, so cool. it would be very different. <laughs> So well it would be cool, yes. <laughs> so she'd probably be the best way of her earning you know, enough money to send it on. I suppose as a writer, she famously didn't earn very much. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. 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 So and um, Roberta Lee's a really interesting author. She used to uh, write for the BBC, she wrote Puppet shows. Um, so she created a puppet show. Um oh, it's called Sara and Hopperty, and if you Google it, it's the stuff mm. of nightmares. It's the sort of thing that will, you know, give you nightmares, really. But she wrote about ninety novels, from Nelson, Boone, and she really wow. captures that kind of working class experience in her novels, which is what I love about it, you know. So yeah, uh, so, the, so those that's kind of what I studied about it. I kind of fell into studying it by accident, as I say, I did my PhD in eighteenth century literature, mm. and I could see that there were some of the. i studied Charlotte Smith, who was an author who. Um, preceded Jane Austen. In fact, Jane Austen was greatly influenced by her work, although nobody's ever heard of Charlotte Smith these days. Uh, But she wrote a number of British romanticisms who were romantic with a capital R, but romantic with a small r novels as well. They were basically love stories. And Mm. what I love is I could see these sort of tropes in her novels, which would be considered serious literature in these Mills and Boons. And I love that idea of from romance with a capital R to romance with a a small r you know to trash I suppose really and so I kind of started reading them by accident again I sort of picked them up I mean I've been reading them since I was 14 and Mm -hmm. Escape from Desire was the first one I read um so I've been reading for a very long time but I didn't consider reading them as a a literary academic until I did my PhD uh and then all everything started to sort of it was like a curtain's drawn aside and everything started to come out of these books. And there was so much in them that it was really fascinating.
0: And so where did, how did Mills and Boone start them? Because you said it started really early.
1: In yes, 19- 1908. It was two brothers. Uh, there was uh, Alan Charles, um, uh, Alan and Charles Boone, I think it was. And then there was... Um, gerald mills i think and going so and it was and like a lawyer's on. firm <laughs> it yeah it was a bit <laughs> an old an old boys like a lawyer's <laughs> it was a bit like an old boys club on you and, and actually they used to treat their authors who were mainly women there were a couple of men mm-hmm. who said uh Got one. An author called Madeline Care, is actually a guy who writes for them, and there's an author called mm-hmm. Emma uh-huh. Darcy who writes. Uh, that was a husband and wife writing team, but mm. it was mainly women, and they treated them like you know they were the, the dads. They <laughs> kind of really looked after mm. these authors, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and they had a really good relationship with them. Um, I don't think it was like a kind of business relationship as such until it became much more competitive when yeah. Harlequin, which is a Toronto-based firm, took over. And uh, they started to sort of shed dead weight of authors who, you know, had stopped selling. So the older, mm. the older authors who weren't popular anymore, started to get rid of them. And um, but yeah, they were. It was a bit like an old boys club thing, really, the way oh, it sounded. Oh, that's really that's lovely. Because you but, could kind of imagine that, you know, you've got these men
0: running this business with these women. They'd be a little bit harsh to them, maybe. But I like the idea that it was sick. actually. Really nice. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. And, and also, that some of the authors were men writing as mm-hmm. women. As women. Because, yes. of course, yeah. now you, well, not. Well, it, not. Well, there still it still does happen. J.K. Rowling did all of her detective books under Robert Goliath. So she, she was, was a like woman that, yeah.
1: writing as a man, which is interesting yeah. because men, the publishing is quite male biased, I think. And that's and quite
0: often, yeah, now yeah. that you'll get the women. I think it was, it not it P.D.? James, isn't mm. that... So lots of people will also put initials, initials to sort of make sure. them say it, Absolutely. Yeah. And Again, so they were doing it the other way around, yeah. pretending to be women to I write mean, the novels. And I assume for a women, a female, a women think, audience. Yeah. Female, a female audience. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think you can safely assume it is a primarily female audience. Um, I mean, I haven't ever done any kind of research into readership, but I think it's, it's the market is, is a female readership. Um, and I think that's why the heroines have to be so relatable when you when you ever you read a mills and boone the heroines are genuinely quite likable people and you can see elements of yourself in them you know you can see the sort of situations they get into you think you know that's what i'd do if that happened to me you know and it's a, it makes it very relatable and makes it um you know very easy to sort of that escapism again. You know, imagine yourself mm. into the into the role mm. of the heroine so
0: yeah there are even some insert yes yeah no, i never do that never <laughs> not once I think the difference here is that the the books you're reading at the moment, you have to imagine you're, what, a fairy? No, no, not in the first book. Only after the first book does she become Faye. Sarah. Come on now. But, you know, when training for battle and all that fantasy overlay, I suppose with Milton Boone's you don't have the fantasy element. It's much more real. As you said, it's imagining real characters.
1: Yeah, there was a series that, um, so this, the Nocturne series, this kind of cashed in Mm. on the um, Twilight. Um, oh uh, how, how popular that was excellent. and this was excellent so generally that, about, i'm gonna read you want it, to write it <laughs> in, hold on yeah make a note <laughs> of that one <laughs> uh, genuinely it's generally about werewolves or, or vampires i think my first published article was about one of these uh one of these books so it's got a sort of a special place for me really but they were a bit short-lived because i suppose the twilight it was a fad wasn't it it was really popular mm. it was it, a flash in the pan and yeah uh, and then it died a death but yeah. they always have their finger on the pulse of what's popular which is why they've endured for so long why they do so well as a they're constantly changing the way they mm. um you know the way their writers what they present just to, to cater for that those changing tastes keeping their finger on the pulse of um you know what for now of what's uh what's going on so, which is which also is very good for a mm. social history point of view for, for charting that so yeah
0: yeah because trends do go so fast i feel like you know i've I've been reading a while now, (laughs) just a while, and I'm quite the reader. And I do do a lot of fantasy stuff, but also various different genres. And you do see these things that seem to emerge out of nowhere and then die quite quickly. So to have that in the fantasy, in the the romance books they're producing and to know Mm. what is going to sell is really quite clever. I love that. And also, as you said, to see the changes in um what's going on in people's lives being mirrored within those books over those years so you I suppose you can as you have Val you sort of grow up with Milton Boone and keep changing and seeing the world around you changing with them which as adapt, I, I was just yes. thinking about you know we're a podcast so what our audience can't see is mm. that every time Val mentions a book she leaps up to her bookshelf <laughs> to bring it down and they seem to be your friends you know they're, oh, they're, yes. they're, they're, they're <laughs> yes. your family
1: uh, I'm surrounded by books yes <laughs> yes I am yes best way to be <laughs> absolutely absolutely the um they were quite sort of uh, innovative in the way they sort of um, canvassed readers' opinions because quite a lot of the paratext in these books, so you'd get like a form at the back, which would ask readers, what did you think of this book? Did you enjoy this book? What are your top three books? And then you, if you sent it in, you'd get a free Mills and Boon. But actually, it would tell them about what the readers wanted there and now. So uh, in the earlier books, sort of the 80s, 90s, that was a, a way that they sort of kept on top of it. I
0: it's would really love that. If I could do that now, that would make my day. A
1: free book for filling out a little
0: form about the book yeah. I've just read. That's like my dream. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something that makes Milton Boone special in that they are all these authors underneath one sort of um, umbrella um, and publishing house, whereas, you know, you've got other publishing houses that publish all sorts of different genres, whereas Mills yes. & Boone is just focused on those romantic yes, stories. Just, just
1: those romances. I mean, there's there are different... Yeah, but they are. They're just romantic novels, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's where the strength lies in it, I suppose, that they know the brand and they know what they're making, what they're selling. I mean, there are different types of romances. They do the... Um, uh, the Presence, the modern series, which tends to be just, you know, just normal stories, which is what Penny Jordan wrote in. And, like, the, the Cherish one I showed you earlier, that's a bit, a bit sort of, you know, more family-oriented romance. And then there's a whole medical series as well, you know, so which used to be called Doctor Nurse Romance, but it's not more because that would be terrible. <laughs> <So>. My <laughs> Grey's Anatomy
0: loving heart has
1: just gone, hold
0: on a moment. <laughs> yes. Hold on. Bring back the on-call room scenes. I'm ready.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i remember the best time I'm just getting loads of book recommendations <laughs> oh that's good that's really good <laughs> the on-call room always surprised me in stats, but I don't know how they got away with it <laughs> so it's too busy with the personal problems to save anybody's lives so that's true They <laughs> should have had so many casualties <laughs> yes <laughs> Well, so I was going to tell you about some of the, my favourite mills and boons, really, I suppose. Um, and uh, my first one, my first, my, my gateway level draw, the entry level one was um, Escape from Disaster. And the, how it came about really, with us, I was about 14 and I was talking to my mum about, I'm, I'm asked a difficult question about the facts of life. And I can't remember mm-hmm. what it was. Mm-hmm. she just shoved that book in my hand and went, here, I read this. So, <laughs> that's
0: the answer. <laughs> I love that. And actually, we were talking about children's literature. Yeah. We were talking about um, Judy Bloom and oh, yes. the book yeah. Forever, which was exactly the same for mm. me, that my mum mm. just sort of went, you know, read this. It's really <laughs> interesting. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that whole sort of read about sex, and
1: then you might get some understanding. Mm. yes well i've got to say it didn't really you left me more confused than anything like, it didn't answer any questions that's for sure but it was um so you know when you look at it it's got this kind of sean connery look like on the cover um and you sort of look at it and think oh yeah I'm see that one something here this is very promising and um you sort of look at it and it's about this it's the heroine's tamara um and she's uh like loads of jordan heroines you know really sweet really relatable you can see you know imagine yourself in her shoes and really lovely but she's got one big flaw which really you can't get over is that she's got awful taste in men and you sort of think well this is a romantic novel so this is a real issue so um, oh but God. when you first meet her she's engaged to somebody else she's engaged to this guy called malcolm who's a bit of a sort of stuffy country pile owning type mm. you know his mother tells him what to wear and men like that feature yeah. quite a lot in Jordan's novels um but she changes his mind about our engagement because she goes on holiday and she meets this Sean Connery lookalike Zachary he's a, you know dashing oh hero. of course exactly. he's <laughs> Zachary they never have boring names they oh, always no, have good no. names they do have good names yes in fact you can normally tell who the hero is going to be by the name it's yeah, <laughs> so, true it's true you meet yeah. James and Steve you're like it's
0: not gonna be no, him <laughs> it's not gonna
1: happen <laughs> so yes So she's on holiday and she gets kidnapped by terrorists. I can't remember why she gets kidnapped. It might have been a case of mistaken identity. But Zachary really steps up at this moment, you know, resourceful, (laughs) brave, passionate... Thanks to some really dilatory terrorists, he, he even manages, you know, a steamy scene on the jungle floor whilst leading the escape at the same time. It's really, you know... <laughs> oh, my goodness. Not floor. Absolutely. Not many men can do that. But absolutely. So, yeah, manages to save her and gets her back home. She's in... Well, she's in the jungle. She gets bitten by a poisonous spider who he saves her oh, life I after that horse. as well. Spiders, again, feature quite a lot in Jordan's novels. So that's another sort of consistent theme. So, if, if yeah. you are... Uh, <laughs> Arachnophobic, <there. laughs> then maybe avoid not Jordan's <laughs> novels. Yes. <laughs> I really am arachnophobic. so I don't like spiders at all. I'm really quite frightened of them. And actually, you can see why the heroine would have to call the hero in the bathroom, <laughs> even though she's naked, because there's a spider in the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> so, so, that happens quite a lot in her novel. Convenient. A way to push them it's together. It's like
0: when they go to the inn and there's only one bed. Oh,
1: I know. Yeah, yeah. and it's that like, oh, you asked as well. for two, but there's
0: only one. Gosh, and there are yes. no other
1: rooms available. No, and it's too
0: small for him to sleep on the floor, so... Hmm.
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah that happens a lot in john's novels as well <laughs> see where it's, it's my favorite from. trope happened <laughs> in the second one in the series i was reading i was like yes <laughs> <laughs> and you know exactly what's going to happen yes mm-hmm. uh so yeah he manages to save a life and gets home and but he's like when he gets home you sort of think well he's, he's really not very really nice he was a bit cruel a bit forbidding to her you know but you know it's a and boom so they, they fall in love um and there's a happy ending and that is one of the things one of the one of the things why they're so sort of enduringly popular i think particularly mm-hmm. when times are hard mm-hmm. uh, because you've got the pleasure in knowing exactly what's mm-hmm. going to happen that happy ending happy ever after sort yeah. of thing is, is assured mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, even if things look bleak for the heroine she's just been bitten by the spider or whatever you know things will cheer up towards the end so that's quite reassuring for the reader so you know that happy ending
0: i think is something that i relate to in terms mm-hmm. of um especially when Times are tough. And, yeah. you know, with the whole of ugh, pandemic, f- Klaxon, blah, blah, blah. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that actually reaching for something that is just an easy read escapist.
1: Exactly. But you is, know. is just
0: yeah. what you need yeah. because it is reaching for the comfort blanket. It's just uh, reaching for something that can just take you away, yeah. doesn't require effort, doesn't grow mm. up. what I did with the any, books.
1: <laughs> totally. You can just yeah. enjoy it yeah absolutely that's absolutely right i think you know when that happy ending that happy you know it's going to happen you know it's coming you can be completely certain i mean um it makes you feel a bit sort of uh, superior to the heroine because she's sort of you know crippled by anxiety it's gonna be all right (laughs) (laughs) you know that you know more than she does so you know it sort of uh, helps you uh helps you with that really
0: um, and can you see sort of attitudes towards relationships as well changing, you know, from the 1900s onwards? Because were the romantic novels from then very much the Cinderella story of being rescued yeah. and now they're becoming more rescuing
1: both sides. We yes. saved each other. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've never read any of the really early ones. The earliest one I've got, I think, is about 1930, which is a Mary Birchall one. Uh, now, Mary Birchall is a really interesting writer because she. And used the money from her Mills and Boons to rescue Jewish children from Germany. So basically, she took the earnings, oh, wow. went abroad to Germany, ostensibly researching a novel and smuggled <gasps> a load of Jewish children. I saved 29 children's lives by doing that. What? There are some amazing authors for oh, the company. Um, but so that's the earliest one that I've got. So I would imagine it is going to be that though they're quite often on the covers they are they do look a bit like Cinderella stories you know mm-hmm. um but yes in the current ones in the ones from the sort of 1970s 1980s onwards it's they are saving each other they become better mm-hmm. people because of mm-hmm. their romance and the, sometimes the, the heroine will learn things about herself but more often the man will uh, mm-hmm. uh, learn a lot about himself and become a better person because of that because of the heroine mm-hmm. sort of uh, pointing out the error of his ways, really. So, so
0: that's, uh, yeah. So lots of life lessons within Mel's and Bean. You become time. a better person yeah. because yeah. of the female. All those people going, oh, I'm going to read those. Well, listen to this. Listen to the amazing authors you've got. Listen to the life lessons you can learn. That's it. I didn't need yeah. convincing, but I'm even more convinced than ever now. to well, go got, buy some? You've got some <laughs> answers to the question, whereas you didn't have any before. Yeah, it's true. Apart
1: from yeah, yes, love I, a bit of romantic yeah. smut.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, as I say, sort of the, You have to pick your novel. Penny Jordan normally does a good sex scene, but the, you know, a, cher- a cherished romance will not be quite so steamy. It just mm. depends on the novel. So yeah. But you yeah. need to
0: find the right one for your spice level for your yes <laughs> that's a good you know i love it. them to have on the sign like a chili pepper spice that's what level. they do on tiktok they use the yeah. little chili emoji and they tell you how many chilies each book is <laughs> <laughs> so
1: um i mentioned about um that they are quite literary i think you said at the beginning that it's just you know empty-headed sort of you know the stereotype is that it's a bit trashy. Yeah. Okay. People, like, say, oh, it's just it's just rubbish, you know, and that sort of thing. And, um, but there's a, a Russian formalist critic uh, called Victor Shklovsky, who's my favourite literary theorist, I've got to say, and he had this theory called defamiliarisation, which was mm-hmm. um, all about art should be difficult. You should, you should mm. stop and appreciate it. You should stop <sighs> and look at it. So when you're reading your book and you're just in this kind of reader-like food state, you know, you're reading along and just lost in that world... Yeah. A true art doesn't do that true art stops you and it makes you think about it and Milton mm-hmm. and boone do this all the time you wouldn't think it but there's quite a lot that they do which is a, it he, he said one way of doing that is bearing the device so it's, it's waking the reader up and showing them that you're reading a, they're reading a novel if you're just reading a mm-hmm. novel that's all you're doing so um one of my favorite ones um is a forbidden loving i can't remember i think it might be 19 1990s i want to say mm. it's one of them bizarre once again romantic relationship between a homeless university professor and one of his students teachers so it's a bit
0: oh.
1: <laughs> but um, in this no
0: i've never read a professor
1: fan fiction ever no no <laughs> no it's a bit uncomfortable <laughs> yeah um in in this one he caught, he tells the heroine you're not reading a romantic novel. This is not a romantic novel. And then you say, hang on a minute. Yes, I am. This is a romance. And then you stop and have that Victor Shklovsky moment and you wake up and, actually, I am reading a novel. And then she does that all the time in her text, you know, really sort of bears the device and, um, you know, tells that, wakes the reader up, tells them you're just reading a novel. It's just a romantic novel, that sort, which I think, you know, makes it quite artistic, really, from, mm-hmm. in, in terms of Shklovsky's point of view. There's one in uh, 1988, Force of Feeling, which I've only just read, and I really liked it. It's a really good one. Uh, in the in the novel, the heroine is a novelist. <laughs> so obviously Jordan's oh, writing about what she knows here. I love those uh, ones. They're like, <laughs> she's a writer, and I'm like, oh, is she? She's <laughs> Can you just really get into character <laughs> yeah. then? You're like, yep, yeah, I'm there. Like, okay, understood. Painter, can't do it. Writer, in. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, she, she is. She's a writer, she's a novelist. But she finds herself unable to write romantic scenes. They lack passion, her, her, her editor says to her. She's got to find a way um, oh, to, to, to how she's so <laughs> <smart>. oh, <no. laughs> get this passion into a book somehow, somehow. And actually, the, what he says to her editor, he says the characters are two-dimensional, they lack. Um, you know they're badly written they're not They're not great and when you read the novel when the novel starts it's actually it's one of those where the passionate scenes don't happen until much later in the book and oh. those early scenes the characters are a bit two-dimensional and they are a bit badly no. written and they don't work very well at all however whilst they get to know each other as the romance blossoms the characters become more Jordan, you know, more Clever. fully rounded, very and nice. really strengthened through those sort of sensual scenes. And she even writes a defence of writing um, uh, sex scenes in in, in that novel. Yeah. You know, says that these scenes are very sensual. This is something to you know uh, enjoy and, and read. You know, not not to be ashamed of.
0: And of course, you know, just thinking about going back, and I'm looking up at Anya's <laughs> shelf and the whole you know you know the whole thing of the character will later learn. Yes. Yeah. So I have to I have to explain that what we're actually looking at now are the latest smutty novels that Anya's reading which unfortunately She's aren't from Mills and Boon direction fanfics on the internet Sarah, okay? <laughs> but I could see that these potentially could become Mills and Boons with similar mm-hmm. markings and they have all these little post-it little markings in all the pages
1: Actually, yeah. very where she's
0: going back over the previous novels yeah. to see what where things started to happen and That's where brilliant. things relate to read the novel. Yeah, thank you. First of all, and then I finish the series. Then once I finish the series, I go back and I reread yeah. and I highlight various things. Absolutely, and, I, so, and yeah. I think because you know it is a lot of that foreshadowing and going back and seeing where those relationships started and where those. Don't things you'll get me. I won't I get that Mills and Boots. But. So I need to not be thinking about that right now, Sarah, because I'll go mm. on a whole rant and it will not add anything to this podcast. But the mm. fact that you know a lot of those exist with what we would stere- what not we mm. but what is stereotypically mm. cast as being trash novels yeah. that haven't got much thought mm. that actually there's a lot of thought there's a lot of writing yeah. um sort of skill within there so then I wonder knowing now that we know there is a lot of writing skill in these why is it people were ashamed to say they
1: were reading these mm. Well, I think that goes back to the stereotypes about them, really, mm-hmm. that people mm-hmm. just think, you know, it, the stereotype is that they're not literature, they're, they're rubbish, they're trash, you know, airhead, empty-headed sort of thing. And what what they haven't done is read them with attention like you're doing with your books. You know, you haven't read them closely enough to to understand that what's going on is really very interesting indeed, so... Yeah. And has the
0: stereotype always been there?
1: Yeah, it has. I mean, I did a public engagement event um in twenty seventeen at a Festival of the Mind in Sheffield and it was I was interviewed by The Guardian and I oh. shared the information about feminism and they just plastered over the headline. Mills and Burns are feminist books, which is like not quite what I said, but you know, I was sort of talking about the literary value of them and why, you know, uh, all, all the arguments. I and I, from there, I was interviewed on the BBC about it, and I just really sort of, quite a patronizing interview about why am I wasting my time with this rubbish sort of thing by someone who's never read one, you know. But, so yeah, I'm yeah. afraid it does stereotype does does persist unfortunately um which is a real and shame so the
0: call out to all listeners if you're sat here and thinking mm. well it's just trash read one go read, and read exactly. one
1: read one mm-hmm. and then make your own mind up whether it's trash or not yeah definitely that's mm. what i would say any
0: reading is a good thing to do that's what i stand by and read i think you want i think the um that kind of attitude as you said often comes true, not reading, because mm. I was brought up with that whole attitude towards
1: it. Yeah. I think it's a real shame that people, um, you know, perhaps would accept that stereotype without ever questioning it, without ever, re- you know, finding out for themselves, which I think they should do, obviously.
0: Our our question is, mm. why should we read Mills and Boone? So yeah. what are the reasons why we should
1: So you can probably guess I love them and I love absolutely everything about them. So, I mean, it's probably not that impartial, but I have done some very impartial academic research on them. And I think that put the stereotypes aside and make your own mind up is what I would say. So don't go in thinking this is going to be rubbish. This is going to be, you know, empty headed trash. But go in, look for those literary devices, look for that foreshadowing, look for the the way the hero changes because of the heroine's intervention. Mm -hmm. Look for the way that it will wake you up suddenly and tell you you're reading a romance and remember that that's a really artistic thing to do in a novel. So um, so look for things like that, really. Um, They are fantastic stories. And even if you think, I I don't want to read this as a literary exercise, I just want a bit of escapism. It is a great way to escape. You know there's going to be a happy ending at the end. So in in times Mm -hmm. of uncertainty... It's a great thing to hang on to. The sure and certain knowledge that that happy ending is coming. So, those are some of the reasons I started reading them probably escapism. Uh, it didn't mm. answer that question I can't even what the question was that I asked my mother but it didn't answer it <laughs> so <laughs> um, but yeah it's uh, in terms of escapism in terms of fantasy in terms of you know uh, a well written story and they uh, I did uh, as part of that Festival of the Mind we had um, a panel of editors from Mills and Boone came in and one of the questions that was asked was can anybody write Mills and Boone if it's so easy surely anyone can write it you know but you, they can't oh, if there's a real craft I hate it, um, that so yeah.
0: much the amount. Im- of people who when I say I did a creative writing degree and then I did my master in screenwriting they go oh well anyone can write a book it's like, all right then go write one you go Show and write me. one then yes yes yeah.
1: exactly <laughs> exactly so knowing everything I do about mills and things knowing all the all the research you've done all the sort of the, the sort of things that I've found out as I've gone along I still couldn't write one I certainly mm. couldn't write one anything like as good as Penny Jordan's or Sarah Craven's work so mm-hmm. i just i wouldn't be able to do it and i certainly couldn't write 11 in one year that's for sure <laughs> that's a, so, an I amazing that's insane. feat it insane It is insane. 11 books
0: in one year mm-hmm. <sighs> Take time to it. but then do
1: it again the next year you know in 1983 yeah. there were like nine books in 1984 there were you know so many mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. keep doing it that was her job was to just yeah. write mills and boons and she did a fantastic job of doing it
0: um, so yeah, that's, and, that's, and I mean we're not we're not talking massive books either, are we? No, yeah, it's about fifty thousand words. Yeah, yeah, so, hundred and ten pages. <laughs> oh, oh, I could read that in an afternoon. But, but, well, that's what that's another reason why I'm throwing in a reason I think yes. I need to read them now because I haven't. I well, I probably yeah. have read one in the past, but I'm like, I think I should read them. Yeah, um, it's actually I suddenly thought that bite size reading mm. is quite appealing are you saying that looking moment. up at my ginormous am, book again yeah well often because as you know I've struggled over the last yeah. few years of reading something and I can mm. start and I've I've got a book that I have had on the go probably for the last four years right. and it's yeah. not a particularly big book yeah what book is that? but it's one of those that I have to be in the right mind to be and that have the time mm. to be able yeah. to let myself mm get lost in it and if i'm not in the right frame of mind and i haven't got the time then i won't pick it up Mm. but if i can just have a little bite-sized book to just consume as you say in an afternoon in in a you know
1: a bit of travel time that's quite a nice lure another reason why they're so popular because you know most people appreciate that women are busy we are busier than men because we're doing all the housework as well as you know there is a (laughs) um um so I don't know if you've ever... There's a fantastic book by Kate Mann called Entitled, How Male Privilege Hurts Women. And it's all about how... Have you read it's it? It's on my list. It's on oh, my list. I put it on my list of buy. It's a fantastic book. You, it will make you cross. It really will. But, yeah. Um, I, yeah. It, in that, um, there is... Uh, an argument all about how, uh, you know, a man and a woman can both have a full-time job, but the assumption will be that the woman will come home and then start a housework. Or There's a whole the thing shopping. in
0: Invisible Women about how women do um, more unpaid labour oh. than men and they break yeah. it down and it's like, oh. oh. Well, and yeah. the pandemic... Like, mm-hmm. uh, pandemic like, mm-hmm. um Has also shown that, you know, when all the children mm-hmm. came home from school yeah. and all the lockdown went, then the men were able to keep on working. doing their jobs, but the yeah. women were there looking after children, looking after that's the house. That's right.
1: And that is a subject that's picked up in Jordan's novels as well. So I read one very recently called Special Treatment. Uh, and in it, it features two professionals. So Susanna is a publishing professional and her oh. boss... Her boss is called Hazard, I think Hazard Maine. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he's also he, he's her, her boss and he's the, the, the editor. And he thinks that she's slept away to the top. And he's got no faith in her ability whatsoever. And he can't constantly undermine her, constantly question her, but she rises to every challenge. And then in the middle of the book, there's a section where they have to go and see one of the authors. And it's an author who is tellingly uh, writing under a male name, pretending to be a man because of the male mm-hmm. focus of publishing. Uh, because doesn't take women's story seriously but she's actually a, quite an elderly woman and she has a fall so they have to stay with her and help her because uh, she's vulnerable and in that time even though they're both and there's only one bedroom with one bed um, <laughs> no i don't think it comes to that I think, I think that, would, that would be inappropriate because the, elderly <laughs> lady's. the old lady's house yeah, yeah, I, you're that. disgusting <laughs> you are jesus <laughs> But no, uh, yes. No, I don't think that happened. I wouldn't think it would necessarily be in the old lady's house. It could be in the local inn. (laughs) But it was... <laughs> so well, as I say, they were both professionals, uh are both sort of, you know, um in this house and suddenly there's chores, housework to do, and it's Susanna who does it. And Hazard he you know makes himself useful by going out for a walk or going to look at the river or <laughs> oh, you very, know, helpful, very, very helpful, very helpful hazard, it, yeah. He comes back and demands a roast dinner and an apple pie. And I told my husband about this, and he said, the reason he's, he, she has to cook dinner is because he wouldn't get a pudding if uh, if, um, <laughs> <laughs> if he'd cooked it. So she has, to, she has to do it. That was his excuse. And actually when Hazard does shape up later in the, the novel and has this moment of, oh, I'm going to lose her, I'm going to have to be a better person. He does actually make a meal for them, but then says, there's no pudding, I'm afraid. And I read that to but he said, I told you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but all he did was make a meal. Like, come on now, that's not the most amazing thing anyone's ever done. No, it's
1: a step up from what he did do, though. So it's like he's, uh, oh, yeah. he's, he has learned his lesson a little bit. I think he offers to dry up, which is... I, I thought if I looked at the sort of division of labour here, and it was a pie chart, there'd be a very small section where he'd done mm. something, and a big, mm. big section where she'd been doing it all. Mm-hmm. Even though they were both professionals, both full time jobs, both you know trying mm. trying to work yeah. at the same time. And it's, uh, I thought it's really interesting that Jordan's put this in this book because it's kind of showing in some ways yeah. it becomes like a literature of protest, doesn't it? It's shining a light on those social issues that is, women have. But yeah. I mean that wasn't a thing in nineteen eighty eight. That was just just assume women would stay at yeah. home and do the work. Yeah. But you know, Jordan already appreciated it then. So mm.
0: yeah. Well sad. it'd be interesting to read a pandemic Mills and Boone as well to, read to read see one, yeah. if the pie chart the is changes. <laughs> A little well, bit more. On that, maybe a reason not to read them, we'll see. But other than hazard, do you mm. think that perhaps, maybe occasionally, these books set slightly unrealistic expectations? Because I know I'm ever yes. so guilty mm. of reading my books and going, well, I'm not going to get that in real life. Mm-hmm. But is that the form of escapism as well in that you aren't going to get it in real life? So you get it in books. Yeah. No. It just yeah.
1: means that I'm not you can that you're never get to
0: get it <laughs> in real life. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks. Okay, I see how it is. There will be no paint smeared orgasm in the bit. cabin for me. I'll buy you another bit.
1: <laughs> I, I suppose it depends what your expectations are. You know, what what, what expectations? You know, is it like, you know, that you wouldn't because the, the women aren't, they're just ordinary women in these books. Mm. They're quite, you know, they, they might often be described as having, you know, being slim maybe or having, you know, open hair or something like that. Mm-hmm. But actually, they could be any woman really. Um, mm. The men tend to be more financially secure, which is a, probably a fact of life really, but, um you know, have more earning power. But then the heroine becomes financially secure by converting mm. the hero, making him into a better person. So,
0: are all Mills and Boone's heterosexual?
1: Oh, no, there is a, there is a series, um, a homosexual series. Um, but I don't know if it's published but in the UK. I think it might be published in in America. I'm not quite sure about that. Because, yeah, they've moved with the Times, you know, and, and realised that yeah, uh, the UK okay. is a diverse place with diverse readers and you want to appeal to all those readers, oh. or as many of them as you can, so...
0: I love the the way you talk about how they have moved with the times and yeah. how I'm I'd be fascinated to look at the differences it's throughout amazing. the years of the Mills and Boone.
1: The, the, because they are focusing very much on the now and that research tool that she had was reading women's magazines. There are so many things that you've you've got they're quite nostalgic reading them, you know, if you live through the eighties. So there's one um, oh no, I've got it on my notes here. She she emerges from um, a shower and she she dons a casual lemon flying suit. It was nineteen eighty four, and you sort of think, "Oh, what? Now? I know, I know." You would never, nobody would willingly don a casual <laughs> lemon flying suit these days, but she did because it was fashionable. <laughs> and then on the covers of them, you'll see those in the nineties, those sort of you know very vibrant, striking shoulder pads, mm. jackets, and things. This one in the 80s, a man possessed, I think it's called, and he owns a gold BMW, which was the status symbol of the time. <laughs> oh, and it was oh, so much inc- an ick. I if know, a man told I me know. he had a
0: gold BMW, I'd be like, Lee. What are you leave. compensating yeah. for? Yeah, yeah, I
1: would say, ick, get out of my face. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, well he is a bit like that to start with until she fixes him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, the it, it's so important in the book of this gold BMW, it's actually on the cover, the front cover of in fact I've got it. I don't know if oh you can see there the, the gold BMW oh. in the background. Yes. Oh, I love the way the
0: gold the gold matches her dress. And,
1: and the That's cover. As because well. she is oh. a
0: possession, just as his BMW. <laughs> Uh, ah,
1: but yes, by the end, by the end. By the end. <laughs> he, he'll be uh, on his knees. The BMW's been stolen <laughs> and written off. <laughs> so that's one thing gone. Thank goodness. Shame. <laughs> yeah. You know, well,
0: that was when she decided she could be with him, when she went, oh, OK, the BMW's I mean, gone. It. It's got, OK it's now. Got,
1: it's a, cars <laughs> feature an amazing amount in these books, you know, the, sort of which cars were popular at the time. And all those fashions are in there. So, um, and, But where, where she really shines, I think, Jordan, is in that... Uh, you know those those social ills those uh those recessions of the 80s the 90s the credit crunch where people are losing money who pays the price for that it's never the banks is it it's never the Mm -hmm. you know the the legislators the people who've made the decisions it's it's the person on the street who loses the house and things like that and becomes suddenly very at risk because of a decision that was made without Mm -hmm. their any input Mm -hmm. from them and i think that's a really Great message from the books, so she portrays mm. that so well. The yeah. social history that comes out. I'm really looking well forward to a Brexit one. Yeah, Can you imagine mm.
0: she falls in love with the lawyer who saves her after Pretty Patel oh. tries to get her deported. <laughs> it could be. It
1: could be a good book.
0: I think we need to come away from this cliff edge
1: because <laughs> it's scary. You mm. talked about the uh, the duchess of york fergie writing at a milson boone i was re- i've been reading one uh which is one of the bigger ones for uh, uh penny Page wrote a number of sort of blockbuster beach read types ones and the, the duchess of york's actually in that one and it's called power play <laughs> i thought there's a coincidence i've actually never predicted she'd be writing them herself but she's written in the historical genre which is not a, a genre i read at all mm. so um uh but, so yeah. you can't
0: tell us whether it's any good <laughs> no no i don't well, it's, it's i'm been not gonna bit, lie i don't look at well. fergie and think yeah gonna write good well, from what i remember from all the articles though was that they were saying it was actually
1: quite was good it? this this is the thing you see and and what she has done is got people i think did, did julian fellows review it i think okay. yeah yeah and get serious people to read mm. it and go this is actually quite good but she, mm. because they, you know it's it's a mills and boone and it's got attention for the company for them you know to be considered seriously which is mm. which i think is a positive it's actually written with somebody else i think it's written with marguerite Kay, someone like that so mm. it's not just turkey mm.
0: if you were to top, to choose your top favorites maybe not top 10 or top yeah. but just top and in no particular order because that yeah. makes it much harder absolutely no particular yeah. order no amount hard. needed but yeah. what would be your go-tos what are the first ones that sort Of come to
1: mind? So anything by Penny Jordan, but Escape from Desire, particularly because it was the first one I read and it had that amazing, sort of really exciting kidnap plot, which was quite unexpected for a Mills and Boone. I was like reading it breathlessly, you know, still wondering about that question that was never being answered. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, that's so that I've got a real sort of soft spot in my heart. That was the beginning of the journey for me. That was when I first sort of fell in love with Mills and Boons. yeah. So anything by Penny Jordan. I love the Man Possessed one with the gold BMW. The cars, I think, are fantastic. Uh, I love the Homeless Professor one. Um, That was a really good one. I like the ones with the spiders. It comes up over and over again from like Tamara's first sort of unlucky getting bitten by a poisonous spider and Zachary having to save a carrier to safety. Um, With this uh, Claire in the, has a large spider in the bathroom uh, in Escape from Desire. And Jay is the hero he saves. He gets to use his, his knight and shining arm a bit and also gets to see you in The shower, at the same time. <laughs> um, <'cause, laughs> convenient. Uh, conveniently, so, yeah. Uh, Alessandro saves the heroine from a spider in the bathroom. Uh, Alessandro! <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, so, yeah, the spider just comes up over and over and over again. Um, but that sort of idea of the heroine having to be saved... Uh, that comes up quite a lot as well. And mm. that, I think people might think, oh, well, why does the hero have to be saved?" That's patriarchal. Mm. But actually, that's a kind of wake-up call for the hero because he realises if he had lost her in that, you know, flood, snowstorm, lost in the desert, giant spider incident, you know, it would have been awful. So that's when he's mm-hmm. but suddenly he realises how much in love with her he is and that's when she starts to win. <laughs> so, yes.
0: Oh, right. I need to go order a ton of books. Time to <laughs> go and find some books. Okay. Read some Mills and Boone. Okay. And hold it, like, proudly on the tube. I'm going to read it in the living room. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> and so those sort of, I'm just going to have a quick lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> read through Mills and Boone. <laughs> nice. Wow. Thank you so much, Val. It's been Thank brilliant. You.
1: I've had the best time. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, thank you, thank you ever so much for the opportunity. Now hopefully, the gin helped. Oh yeah, I've not drunk much of it, so that's quite good. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, save it for <laughs> as the evening Mine's goes gone.
0: on. Oh, has it? Oh. I'm debating a second. One. I was thinking yeah. I'd quite oh, like a second. Oh, excellent. Shall we have a page? second. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> So, Mills, Mills and Boone. I'm gonna
1: go order some.
0: <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna read because yep. stereotype of Mills and Boone it's been with me forever. Yeah. Don't touch them they're smutty rubbish don't waste your money on them they're just rubbish. <laughs> can't relate can't relate I hear smutty rubbish and I go buy me 10. But now I want to buy 10 Mills and boon books what? because I'm a feminist, but I've been convinced that they are a feminist text now. Well, and also because you can't just dismiss something no. without no. having a look. And I love escapism. I love the sound of all the people who are writing for
1: them. I mean, oh what icon? Such a
0: little family as yeah. well. And using the money to rescue Jewish children. Do you think my name means I could be the hero in a romantic book? Do you think there in some is of the gay ornia? ones? Do you think <gasps> there is an Anya in a Mills and Boone already? Severe doubt, severe doubt. But don't know because they are churning out so yeah. many books so quickly. I yeah. mean, the, the amount that they, the authors have been able to rattle through incredible. But they're also really easy reads, really quick reads, and they give you an insight into just people in everyday Day-to-day life.
1: But and not all of with them are the spicy. If you
0: are not a fan of the spice, you can pick one of the more romantic ones. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan of the spice, please send me a tweet. I'll let you know how spicy they are once I've read them. And you know how you look at a restaurant and you think, "Well, it must be good. It's been there for so many years." Mills and Always Boo have busy. been around since the early 1900s. That's a fucking <gasps> long time. Such a long time. A long time. They're the Judy Dench of books oh like it i think judy dench would quite like to be associated i 100% believe that judy dench
1: reads mills and boons in her spare time
0: judy if you're listening (laughs) do you read mills and boons you on first name basis with judy dench of course really dame dame dench to you judy to me are you listening? do you read just because you've been at the theatre darling (laughs) no only because I'm in the safety of your own room she can't (laughs) hit me (laughs) she would she'd wallop you I think she probably would clip round the ear and on that note another gin nice little book thank you very much Val great time good yeah enjoyed that little episode you got to the end so hopefully you did <laughs> <laughs> that's very <cheap>. yeah. <laughs> well done <laughs> if you'd like more content from us you can follow us on instagram you can and you'll also find our chief gin taster the gin monkey with tasting notes of all the gins that we're tasting in the series go on to instagram so it's worth following yeah yeah topic gin Topic Gin. Same on Twitter. Same on Twitter. What Send us a Facebook? little tweet. Yeah, we're on Facebook too. Topic oh, Gin, cool. keeping it all nice and simple. And you can email us. You can if you want at hello at ginandtopic.com. If you click subscribe as well, that would be really handy. Reviews, a whole host tell of people. Stuff for you to do. And we'll be back next week with another episode. I know. And another guest. And another gin. Yay. <laughs> And don't forget to join me and Emma in our tasting room on Sunday
1: and she can tell us all about the gin.